Talking industry, topical debate from the world of engineering, automation and manufacturing. A DFA Manufacturing Media Production. IIoT Communications and 5G Part 1. Brought to you by Drives and Controls Exhibition, the leading trade show for automation, power transmission and motion engineering. Visit drives-expo.com. Okay, and a very warm welcome um, from Greenwich in London, from Tunbridge in Kent, and many other places around the world. We have an international panel this morning, and we're going to be talking about the Industrial Internet of Things, or IIoT, uh, communications and 5G, with an emphasis on um, connectivity. My name is Andy Pye. I'm consultant editor at DFA Media, which publishes uh, drives and controls, smart futures, and many other um, print and online publications. Connectivity is, is um, I suppose, a one-word summary for, for the Industry 4.0 revolution, and it covers many different aspects from field bus to industrial ethernet, some proprietary technologies, open standards, the evolution of network technologies, and many other things. Perhaps the question we're going to try to explore is how fast is this happening and how fast should it be happening and what some of the barriers might be. So to discuss many aspects of that, we've assembled a five-man international panel um, some of uh, some of our speakers are, are attending for the first time, and some uh, are returning members who've who've been with us uh, on previous occasions. Um, some of the things we're going to cover: um, quite a technical presentation um, from Gilad Garon of ASOX, which is an Israeli-based company, and uh, he's going to talk about how to set up a high-level 5G private network using. Uh, what we think is a unique pure software approach. So that'd be very interesting. We'll talk about the role of people and cultures in the different stages of implementing IIoT. Um, and that will be covered by Michael Lefevre from Red Lion Controls. Then Chris McComb, um, still an international speaker because he's coming in from Scotland, but um, I don't think there's any time difference, Chris. So hopefully that will, uh, that will be okay. Uh, he's going to talk about Profibus, IO Link, Structured Networks. Uh, we're then going to move to um, NIDEC, who are a well-known manufacturer of motors and drives. Um, but uh, Prakash Shahi is, is actually um, coming in from the United States. So uh, I think it's around about four o'clock in the morning for him. So, uh, so he's there with plenty of coffee to keep him going. Um, and before all of those, and also afterwards, we're going to hear from Jonathan Orr from R&D Advisors. And the reason we've set it, set it up this way is that Jonathan is, uh, is a very experienced practitioner in this area. And he's going to talk, he's going to give us a general overview, but also start to talk about what the financial incentives and tax credits in the major economies are for development work surrounding this type of technology. So the reason we wanted to start with it is so that everybody can sort of think about relevant um, possible development activities while the session is going on. 
and then we'll come back to Jonathan at the end and and explore that concept in more detail. We'll then wrap up with a sort of more general Q&A session to cover off anything that we haven't managed to, to cover as we go. So that's the plan. Um, it may end up being nothing like that at all. And the first one with that opportunity is Jonathan Orr. So over to you, Jonathan. Thanks, Andy. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, so R&D Advisors um, are a UK-based company who support um, innovation in, in industry and in, and in commerce. Um, and to give you an example, and very interesting what Andy was said about um, wanting to speed up the pace of acceleration, the European governments um, want to encourage um, innovation and uh, provide very healthy um, tax credits, very healthy in injections of cash into an innovation for both start um, mid-sized and very large businesses um, to help them with their R&D efforts. And to give you a sense of scale, the UK government has injected 10 billion into UK industry since 2000 for, uh, in the form of, of R&D tax credits alone. Uh, it's not the only source of funding. There's a, a number of uh, grant funds available for, uh, for innovation. But one of the reasons why I was excited to, to join this panel was because uh, Internet of Things and, and 5G is clearly right at the cutting edge of both industrial and domestic innovation. We're all looking at more and more innovation. And um, at R&D Advisors, we, uh, we help businesses gain access to the fundings, whether you're a startup or whether you're a small business or a large business, gain access to the funding to help you accelerate uh, your innovation in, the, in these particular areas. So, and, and it doesn't just extend to the, to the UK, as I say, it's a piece of the UK uh, legislation that covers this is part of European legislation. So there's lots, but this legislation also extends into, into the United States and into other countries. Um, and whilst we, we don't practice in those countries. We can certainly advise international companies where they can go and, and seek that. So I'll be very interested to hear uh, the comments from you, from the people out there, that uh, maybe if we can help uh, point them in the right direction as to where to find this uh, this funding. Um, and I'm sure that the uh, the ensuing presentations are going to uh, give us a great insight into the innovation that's going on in this area. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get some good questions back from the from the people. Uh, listening in uh, as to uh, what the areas of innovation that you're working in and uh, perhaps where we can help you get some some funding for those areas of innovation. So with that, Andy, I'll uh, hand back to you if that's all right. Uh, so thank you for that, Jonathan. That's a very useful introduction. Now, uh, Jonathan said that, that 5G is, is a leading edge technology and um, our next speaker, in fact, will be talking about the leading edge of the leading edge. Um, and he's uh, Gilad Garon, um, who founded ASOX in 2003. And they focus on cellular virtualization and mobile edge clouds. And he actually holds several of the patents. Um, so he's going to talk now on uh, a special um, software method of setting up 5G networks, private networks. So. Over to you, Gilad. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Thank you. Um, good morning, everyone. I will, uh, despite all the, uh, the 
introductions, I will actually try to give you guys more of the intuition of, of this new era, which is called 5G and 5G private networks for factories. Um, and I think the, the first thing that, that comes to mind when we speak with, with people who manages factories or production floors, or even in the financing of these things, is the very obvious question, the why. Why should we do it? And uh, specifically in 5G, I can also say that uh, never in the history of telecommunication was a technology so overhyped than 5G. And that could typically cause frustrations early on with the technology. So perhaps trying to, to give you the intuition of the why is to understand what industry 4.0 really is. And we've been talking about industry 4.0 really in the context of collecting information. Information is the new oil we're hearing, but the reality is that most business owners have tons of information and barely know what to do with it. So really what we're trying to achieve with 5G is not to collect information, but to actually act on that information in real time. And uh, the best example, and I've also heard there's an engine company. It, this is really a live example that we help build in Taiwan is this so-called digital twin for engines. And in this specific case, the level one, the basic training, uh, support engineer is holding a, an engine in his hand and using augmented reality, he can literally get data on this specific engine. When was it made? What, what type of maintenance work really needs to happen on this engine, et cetera, et cetera. So the why for 5G, again, is not about collecting information. It's about responding to something that matters. And that is sort of like the first take you should all uh, hopefully get from us. The second point is, what is this 5G private network? And some of you even heard about this concept of network slicing. To the most of factories around the world, and in that respect, I dare say the UK is not unique, factories, and business owners typically are set in areas where cellular infrastructure sucks. Sometimes it's so horrible that they can't even get, you know, they can't even call their homes using cellular. And so to talk about 5G macro services given to you by, without naming names, a top carrier is usually a uh, even creates even bigger disbelief by uh, business owners about this technology. And the intuition of 5G private networks is that you are, you are in control. Some of you may not know, but during the pre-COVID era, uh, the UK um, Ofcom has actually spent a great deal of time in making sure the control moves from carriers to business owners by defining a specific spectrum that each and every one of you can use. 
So the UK actually aligned with Germany and Taiwan were the first three countries in the planet that actually enabled 5G private networks to be established without going to telcos, which as we said, uh, without being very polite, tend to suck when it comes to providing uh, mission critical communication, certainly in rural areas. That's not their business. So in that respect, you guys are, uh, have always been, you always got it right. Admittedly during COVID, um, from what I saw on the side, the UK kind of spent uh, more time uh, approaching COVID and, and not taking care of industry, unlike what happened in Germany. So now we can at least give you the experience of what happened in Germany. And the bottom line, and again, we don't have a lot of time today, is the three big topics in 5G are actually quite irrelevant to you as business owners. For example, everybody's talking about the fact that 5G can support a million devices. Most of you are gonna support 50 or 100 devices. Second, everybody's talking about the fact that this is going to be so low latency up to a number which is a, a thousand of a second, one millisecond. But actually, for all of you, if you can get 20, you guys are gonna be in great shape. If you can get 10, even better. You do not need one. And the third, everybody's talking about these hyper one gig speeds, again, Nothing really that you guys are, are really going to need because the highest de definition 4K cameras that you will ever need are four or eight or even 10 megabit per second. So why am I telling you all of that is because you do not need to build a monster private network coming from a large vendor for millions of euros, even if you can get some of that back from the UK government. What you actually want to build is a good enough pay-as-you-grow network that falls inside your business expectations. You want to start small, not large. The best example I always give is the first time we went to Germany, we had a very hostile crowd uh, led by the head of, uh, of uh, safety in the, in the factory. And he said, there is no way I'm going to let you guys remove our emergency red buttons uh, and to move them to 5G because if that's not going to work, one of my employees' hands going to be chopped off. And I told him, sir, this is the last point I want you to replace. What I want to help you is connecting a bunch of cameras to AI to give you results that have to do with yields, that have to do with tangible business uh, outputs that you have in your specific business. And for that, you want to start small. And the only way to start small in this business is to deploy it in a software as a service model. Uh, could be over the cloud, could be on, on a bunch of your servers. If I've managed to lose some of the audience, at least I hope that this is the message. You do not need the whole enchilada of 5G to transform your business. What you need is something very specialized and dedicated to the industry needs. And that comes with a whole different business model and scale 
from what the big carriers or the big vendors are offering you today? That, that's a, a very thought-provoking um, uh, presentation, which uh, I think we, we will explore now to, to a limited extent. Um, my, my question would be, um, if you're setting up a network, I mean, most businesses are working with suppliers and customers. Um, how do you involve them in setting up a, a private network of, of, um, of, of starting with small steps and growing? How, how would you go about that process? That's a great question. First of all, the key for everything is to use the people you trust. That means most, and we're giving the example of factories, most factories typically have a digital transformation consultant that they trust. He's really the guy who needs to sign off about what would be the value of 5G in the specific transformation, whether it's adding augmented reality or AI or a bunch of robots that are gonna move around in his factory or, or even something less fancy like uh, a safety camera, making sure people wear hats. So it's got to start from there. And then of course, uh, we didn't talk a lot about the way we do business, but this is all about local. So ASOX as a, as a software company actually works with, for example, UK based radio vendors and they're, they're going to bring the hardware piece. We work with local SIs uh, system integrators per country. And we actually found out that the more specialized they are to a certain domain, whether it's a chemical plant or a beer company uh, or scrap metal business, the better it is for us. So it's, it's really all about starting with the needs. And I can tell you that, although it sounds very logical to you, that's not the approach done today. The day when telco experts come to your businesses, they speak the language of operators. They speak, they talk about capacity. They talk about latency. They talk about SLAs, all great important words, but they're very oriented to a telco engineer or to a, a guy who designs a network. They mean nothing to the guy who's in charge of running his business. So my advice is, or the way we really operate. If you look at what we have achieved in Germany or Taiwan, in each one of these territories, the ecosystem which surrounds our software is completely different. And, and the fact that this is all local, this is all tuned to the needs is what really makes the, the, the difference in that respect. How would um, cybersecurity uh, uh, influences um... Uh, be relevant to a private network compared to a, a conventional all singing, all dancing system? It's a big topic. Um, the, purist, the Puritans in 5G claim that uh, cybersecurity ends in 5G because you cannot hack SIM cards. And in some respects, they have a point. But the reality is that we have discovered that most uh, enterprises in the world are still in ground zero when it comes to cybersecurity. And we all know that probably 80% of your individual passwords are still admin admin. So somewhere between the ultimate security and the reality, 
sits uh, a private network. The big advantage of a 5G private network over using a public network is that you can design it in a way where all the information stays on-prem. That's a very important feature, even in, in, in the way that new players such as Microsoft and Amazon are deploying uh, private networks. And we're part of, uh, for example, the Microsoft camp in which you can literally download our software from the Microsoft marketplace. So the fact that you are using cloud technology, that's great, but still for the most part, the golden rule that if you wanna keep your information safe, keep it close to you, applies even within any new fancy technology. That's sort of like number one. If you, if you wanna do, that's the do. The don't, and I mean no disrespect to rival technologies, you should not consider Wi-Fi. As, as an old Wi-Fi designer, I can tell you that the, uh, regardless of all the, again, the fancy wording and the new enhancements that Wi-Fi has done, including Wi-Fi 6, the, the measure of of penetration to a, a Wi-Fi network is to the point of embarrassing. So we have no, in, I'm not here to trash rival technologies. I just don't deem them as rival technologies within this specific use case. Uh, either stay with your cable or move to 5G and keep your information on-prem. Anything else comes on top. And as we said, uh, and, and I'm, I'm the first one to come out and say, uh, the best of us has been hacked in the last few years. And, and, and what is always surprising is that most of these hacks always happen in the most obvious ways, not in the most expensive countermeasures that you deploy. Yes, I, 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 we've got a debate already beginning to, to warm up, I think, about um, Wi-Fi versus 5G. So um, we're, we'll explore that a little later on, I think. Equally, I think it's important that we move on to our other speakers. And if if they have a contribution to make to this, uh, you know, 5G network, then um, then they can um, uh, in introduce their comments as we go through the next three speakers. So our next speaker is uh, Michael Lefevre, and he's going to approach the development of um, implementing IIoT from from a slightly different end, which is the role of people and cultures and uh, and, and making it happen from that point of view. So over to you, Michael. Thank you, uh, Andy. Yeah, thank you for this, uh, for this thing. So I'm Michael Lefebvre, I'm a product marketing manager for, for Europe, for Red Lion. And we, we sell um, yeah, edge solution for convergence of TIT. Um, so the idea why, why I wanted to talk about people and culture is because of our experience. It's what really what we observe uh, by meeting peoples and they they all understand that um, they want to capitalize on the the production data they want to uh, they see the value of that uh, but um the thing is and yeah they see the they can save time they can understand more about their process they can they, they, they really see the value the older peoples okay they're very attentive about the about what everything going on on the market and the, this new trend um 
but the thing is most of the time what they consider when they do when they do research and when they start this project is um they they are very attracted by the technology uh, the cost and um the, also the the big big solutions um the offered on the market and everything they see the, they see the, the complex the, the complexity and also everything this uh, iot uh, trend or this uh, AOT evolution can can make for them, okay? But with the big picture, and the thing is, what we realize it's there is a disconnection between um, the big big picture and what the people are capable of doing. On and sometimes what we observe is, it's uh, there is uh, they are lost in the in they are lost in the solution. They just yeah we see we can do everything, but <laughs> where to start? Uh, Who's going to handle that? Uh, do I have to ask a, a third-party company or anything? Okay, and the thing what we and that's one reason why um, most of the IoT projects fail. I mean, it's it's a huge amount. I think it's around seventy percent of the uh, IoT project fail because people just get lost about everything they have to handle and they have to understand the different technology and everything. Okay, and even the team in the factory. They just lost. I mean, they have new new computer, new process, new everything, and they don't really understand the, the ten and why they get so many data, why they have to enter, why what to do with this data. Sometimes they don't even understand that, and because it's too fast, it's, they they go from nothing to something too big. Okay, and what we what we see it's and what we suggest is take this IoT uh, evolution as a journey. And really, like uh, like Gilad, sorry for the name, Gilad say you have really the the big thing is you have to start simple, really simple. Uh, start with uh, as close as possible to uh, to your manual process. Don't go to uh, don't disconnect too much your uh, digitization or IoT uh, conception from uh, what you do already with your manual uh, process. Your actual your current process is already good. This evolution is, is only an improvement of what you do and not something new, okay? And that's very important. For example, if you can start with a simple, uh, I don't know, it, it, will, it will depend about where you are and how your, uh, your factory or your production is, uh, is uh, developed, uh, but you can start with a simple uh, notification, SMS notification or remote access to certain data or digital, Digitalize some certain data. For example, uh, we see a lot of manual um, or analog um, sensors or uh, panel meters without any communication. Sometimes it's just simple as like that. Just digitalize these values, and then you can go and start by adding logs on that, and you will give more. You will get more more values, more and more interest, and more. Uh, you will get history, so you will you will be able to get more data and have a better analyzing and uh, uh, understanding about the process. And then when the log is not enough, you can start to collect all the logs together on a, on a unique servers and start to to connect uh, other system on these logs. And then you arrive to the cloud, but at least you see the value on each steps, and you use you, you also you're also able to stop if you don't see the value for the next step, and you have time to learn and understand how the value is and if this value is interesting or not, and and everything, and that's uh, that's very important to uh, to have a successful um, IoT project at the end. 
and that's why um that's why i wanted to talk about that today it's i mean iot evolution is not only technical it's not only money it's also a lot of people and culture it's a it's a big evolution for uh, for people and culture and uh it has to be considered so that's why with reliant um sorry it's it's time to do my <laughs> my promotion but uh we do process uh we do devices and we do solutions which are kept can be installed from the beginning for easy for easy and small applications up to the big one so you can in, you invest with a with small application you invest in one product and you keep this product up to the the, the most advanced one is going to help you up to the most advanced one and that's what uh it's very interesting even with a normal maintenance team uh not without uh without big advanced uh iot uh skills you can you can put in place a, a, a good iot um solution already but thank you very much lovely thank thank you for that I, I clearly you you agree with Gilad about the small steps approach you know it's um yeah yeah it's very important crossing, crossing a fast flowing river by the stones provided rather than <coughs> trying to swim across is is definitely the way and um, the the issue i mean people are often much harder to manage than um than devices i guess so so that's that's a, a, a particular challenge um it's, it's, it's not only the devices and it's not only the yeah. devices it's also the the interest why to collect all this all this amount of data why do we have all this data they don't they don't they don't see the value and sometimes that's why they they keep this data um how say that uh not in the daily process they don't consider the data to take the decision yeah gilad has, has just put in um a, a comment um which is um you know from asop's perspective we usually see an in, initial project with minimal upfront cost and answering a specific need, which I think is very much in tune with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, for example, connecting cameras to AI for health and safety market monitoring. So you have a particular objective in mind, which, uh, you know, and, and the, I mean, the failure rate that you mentioned of 70% is, is, is really frightening. And I think there's, there's a lot that we should all be doing to address all the aspects of this to, to improve that. Uh, including you know how to build the business case in the first place so that um, so that we encourage management to invest successfully in uh, in iiot w would you agree with that michael yes it's, it's it's better to invest successfully in a small iot project than invest uh unsuccessfully in a big one with uh yeah it's very it's much better and you will yeah. be able to capitalize on that and improve yeah. it year after year that's much more important it's Thank more you. it's uh yeah iot journey is a small i would say that it's a small success after the others okay yeah and that's what uh that's what makes a huge iot project successful it's um yes i mean the old adage is start small think big and scale fast i guess but uh, yeah we say uh start small and think big <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned for part two across all podcast apps. Follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletters, and keep up to date at talkingindustry.org.